Welcome to Whole Lot of Wolves, episode 27 and season three. We're your hosts. I'm Joshua Buckley. I'm Paul LePage. And joining us is nobody. Paul, it's just me and you today. It's a dynamic geo. <laughs> it is. It is. Our uh, good producer, Alex, is having some work events, but we appreciate him. He's still editing for us, which is fantastic. Just couldn't make it on. But uh, Paul? Two games last week, two very different games. Uh, real quick, we'll talk about the first game, Liverpool 2, Wolves 0. Okay, let's go on to uh, Saturday's game, <laughs> where Wolves 1, Spurs 0. What an exciting victory. So many things to talk about with that game, Paul. Um, just the way they flipped the switch after halftime. How amazing is this now to have a manager that knows the he's not going to get it right all the time but it seems like he knows most of the time the buttons to push to change things around that's right you can extend that whole game against Liverpool pretty much into the first half on Saturday Mm -hmm. and I think it was only uh, a little bit of luck and some monumental defending in the start of the second half even that that kept us in it I had a bad feeling that if we'd have conceded then I think we'd have had a, a similar result to the one that happened on the Wednesday night but I think what's pretty crucial about what happened on Saturday was that they saw it he was able to act on it he was able to really marshal the troops and it seemed like he was getting insight from the likes of Dawson coming over during the first half at breaks in play that they knew that something was up and, and they were trying to fix it. And they, they were pointing to it very much on the TV coverage that it looked like Lamina had actually turned into man marking Harry Kane. And, and, and that successfully. Successfully, yeah. And, and often he was coming, he, he was taking up a, a centre-back position. So I think that was... Um, rightly, I think it, it was the full guy unfairly for him, but it was definitely the right decision that a dedicated centre back could could come on and 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 pick up from where he left off with that particular role. But it just seemed to me that from being able to do that, we looked a totally different team. And and you'd think playing three centre backs, how does that happen versus the the, the two? And shouldn't it be the other way around? And, and it hasn't been. And it seemed more free-flowing, more chance creation. Looked like Raul had a new lease of life. It just sent sent the, the, the whole dynamic of the team, really, on, onto another level. And I think that's ultimately what stabilised us. So I think from that point on, we always had a good chance of taking at least a point. And then as those chances start to fall... I thought it would be third time lucky for Neves that he kept on having those chances to him outside the box, but out it came and um, it was through again, substitutes. I know Raul came on enforced, but it was him taking that ball, crafting the shot off from Moutinho. Again, another sub often written off, but on those types of games that he could come on and give you those 20, 25 30 minutes of impactful play. That, that's crucial. What's a, a squad's there for? And then the boy pops up with a, a wonder strike, which <laughs> to caress the ball from the, the height he took it, 
to the very most top corner off the side of his foot. I think only Traore can do that and only he could do it or only he could have spooned it into Rosie Z of the South Bank. So it just happened to be one of those that came off and looked beautiful. So kind of good, good for him, good for the team, just the, the team spirit as well with the celebration, both on that goal and immediately at the final whistle. It was it was really good and, and set us up fantastically, I felt. Yeah, I feel like Adama has been watching Karate Kid with uh, Collins. It's just that he took the good parts of it. He took the crane kick, you know, out of it. Just fantastic. Paul, uh, I know I was a little worried at halftime when Lopetegui did make that decision to pull Lamina because it felt like he was one of the few bright spots there in the first half. What were your initial thoughts and why do you think that actually ended up working? Initial thoughts, yeah, worried, um, worried how it would impact on the on the uh, the lineup, and also worried about whether he was actually injured because it did seem such a a big call if he wasn't carrying enough to do that. Plus the fact that I think Neves was already on a booking, so he mm-hmm. had to play the the, the second half extremely uh, carefully. So. I, I think why why it was done and, and the impact that it had, I just think you can potentially rely on Neves just a little bit more to be slightly more well-rounded if if you are going to a two in the midfield. And that may be down to the fact that we haven't seen a ton of Lamina by himself in a two. Um, maybe in hindsight, whether he could have stayed on and uh, Mateus come off because he wasn't too long long to follow. So has Lamina got any um, Mateus qualities in his locker that could form a, a dynamic central too? So not sure on that one, but it, it did take some foresight to and, and a big call to, to make the change and, and have it come off so handsomely. I think that's going to buy a lot of cred with a lot of the reasonable fans for in the future. If he makes a bold move like that, we're going to kind of be like, well, I don't know if I would do it, but I'm going to trust him because look at how that move worked with Spurs. Even to the case with the, when Mateus and Sarabia came off, that just seemed at a time that we're getting a grip of the game and Sarabia was doing better in the second half. So even those seemed watching big calls. So he's definitely not afraid to to make them. He's definitely not afraid to use the full bench at his disposal, which probably bring us on to discussing the the absentee on it, who was Podence. <laughs> so was that done? He mentioned it was tactical. Was that done even in mind to play three centre-backs potentially by, by having two on the bench in case one needed to come off and one was there ready in case an, another was needed. So it's um, it's it's refreshing in a way, I think, after what we've seen previously in, in terms of a, uh, a hesitancy to make changes or not having the depth of squad to allow you to do it. Um, are we seeing a very good manager utilise all the tools at his disposal that those previous coaches in the position didn't have. 
it seemed like the second half of this game also had a little bit of that old Nuno magic. You had Johnny and Motinho and Neves and Adama all playing very key roles, especially in that goal. Um, how interesting was that? It was in the, not only did you have that, you could sense the atmosphere. It was a little bit tasty on the pitch, you know, their dark arts in trying to buy fouls and Harry Kane's school duggery in, uh, <laughs> in going over at the, the slightest brush and, and all of that stuff. But I think it was like a perfect storm that it all came together in terms of atmosphere, attitude on the pitch, digging in. And and those players that you highlight do it doing really well. And and that's what allowed us to uh come out on top. Speaking of Harry Kane, I have a question for you, and probably for a lot of the England fans. Yeah, I think he's a prick as well. But but so then when when England's playing, how weird does it feel that you're rooting for him? Or are you rooting for him and you're just <laughs> Yeah, you, you are. Um but it, it it's not like it is a weird dynamic because he does seem to have blotted his copybook, and it's not like I'd go back to someone like Alan Shearer, who we like talking twenty twenty five years removed from when he was the England number nine captain, always scored a boatload of goals. Wolves had never come up with him, come up against him because. He was in the Prem at that time and we were languishing in the lower leagues, but he always just had, he just carried himself a little better. And it it just doesn't seem like it's Wolves fans that Kane seems to piss off. It seems that his behavior is, is universal. And and to me, it, it sours it. I don't think uh, an England captain should be stretching the limits of the gamesmanship to the extent that he does, but <laughs> that's just me. See, because I think it's, and we'll talk about this next week's episode. I think it's going to be tough for a lot of the American Wolves fans going against Leeds because we like Weston and Tyler Adams so much. It's going to be very interesting for us. Um, so Diego Costa probably tore his knee. We don't know to the extent, but it looked really bad if he's having to be stretchered off. But then it led to a Raul renaissance. Number one, where did that come from with Raul? And second, is Costa's Wolves career probably done? Yeah, working in reverse order, you you probably think so. But it's still a little odd that we've not had a definitive of the injury yet, I don't think. So there's been no mention of a scan or results or anything like that to any any depth i don't think immediately afterwards you'd think they'd they'd know by now so yeah potentially i think even if it is not acl it could be um the medial ligaments that's probably four to six weeks and you're you're skirting on the the edge of the end of the season by that point so it it could well be curtains as far as that goes in in terms of raul it's a strange one It, it didn't seem like there was a flick of the switch but it just seemed that everything came off better than it has been doing or 
he looked a little sharper, which could could be the case that it, we still don't know the the length or the extent of his injury. And especially with all that back and forth in Mexico of the World Cup and going and coming back, not really playing, um, looking wholly unfit when he did at the World Cup, that, that's bound to have factored in, in, into all of it. So he got the start on, on Wednesday, came on, played most of the game on Saturday. But it, it, I think it is what was being asked of him that was more you've got to press, you've got to close down. He's certainly doing that. He seemed to be a lot more mobile. And that challenge that he put in to close, I can't remember who it was down, the um, one of their centre-backs, and, and, he, and he slid in and he stopped the clearance, was phenomenal. And mm-hmm. that's what you just absolutely love to see as a fan, that you've got your striker that's putting in that work and making those types of challenges. It's just you rubbing your hands together with joy at that, that type of effort being put in. Do you think this is the start of hopefully a Raul renaissance for a couple months, or is that going to be the outlier? I think it depends who he plays with, and it's going to impact based on the formation. Now, I see the green shoots of a formation coming, uh, a partnership coming with Cunha, and mm-hmm. and in addition to that, one with Traore as well. That. Already, we, we saw from Saturday that cross that Troy came in and he, he, he got in there to win a fantastic header, put his head in where it hurts and um, to, to force a really good save off the keeper. So there's that element to it as well. But I think if, um, if Costa's definitely out for any length of time, that guarantees him minutes. Already. Yeah, because we don't have it, anybody again. Yeah, so. there's, there's yeah. no one else again. So... Um, are we going to be seeing him by default and will that actually bring the best out of him because we have to rely on him a little more. He he knows that he's more of the, if if he can start as a central striker and have Cunha off him, um, I think he could really warm to that and we could see some positives. Well, now that's, that's pretty interesting and, and I hadn't thought about that. Do you think Raul is somebody that maybe is going to perform better without looking behind his shoulder i know a lot of players usually step up their play their play when somebody's challenging for their minutes but do you think maybe having that comfortability of knowing like all right i'm the number nine because almost by default but still do you think that might be helping his play potentially and i just think that he's always been a player that that's thrived on partnerships and if it was Traore, if it was Jota, he's always had someone with him. He's often talked about as being the main central striker, but I think that does does, does it a disservice that he was often adept at bringing, bringing other players into it or getting on the end of opportunities that others were crafting. So if we've got better output now, thanks to the likes of Cunha coming in or Sarabia being able to set up those chances, he can get in and around it like crafting the shot from Saturday or the assist for Sarabri at Fulham, then I, I don't think it, it's going to be a case of him not worrying that his shirt's um, at risk. I think it's just going to be a case that he's one of those players that 
can play himself into form and and thrive off that more than anything. What were your thoughts on the back three with Kilman, Dawson, and Collins? Is that something you'd like to see more of? I mean, it seemed to have really good success. It did do, and I think it's going to it's going to be based on the opposition potentially. And that probably brings me back to, to Wednesday against Liverpool that I was so disappointed that Mm -hmm. that seemed to be such a defensive minded setup when they'd had the blueprint previously in the cup and at home that they were fallible if you could get at them and that they proved it in the first probably three or four minutes when, we, we seem to have the, the bulk of the play and put them under pressure. But after that, it, it it was barren. So if they have got that five in the back in their locker that can pull out a performance that the bulk of the, the second half did on Saturday, if you've got an added level of defensive solidity, but then the ability to be more offensively minded, then I think he could definitely pull it out based on certain teams, and it, it might be one that we see on Sunday. Neto made a short appearance, you know, started, played the first half. Uh, what were your thoughts? He didn't really get the ball that much. I, even then, I still think undercooked that he's going to need a lot more minutes and, and gradually. I think it was a big, not a risk in terms of injury coming back, but to to come in and and have an impact on a game like that against a team like Spurs, I think it was a lot to ask. I'd rather, I'd, I'd prefer him getting 10, 15, 20 minutes off the bench and building up that way. Do you think that also played into Johnny starting at left back as well? Just kind of more that cover that Neto was used to? Definitely. And I think it's probably, again, you, you talk about, players coming in and, and not having to not having that worry over his shirt but it, it seems to me that the the jury I think Lopetegui's jury is still out a lot on out Nuri defensively mm-hmm. so that's why he's not guaranteed to start if Breno was out or even to challenge Breno so I think it was telling that uh, Johnny came straight back in but it was a it was back to the Johnny that everyone knew and loved and seven out of ten didn't make a mistake and looked really solid. So again, if you could guarantee those types of performances, and also he, we're not forgetting that he's pretty comfortable in that back back five as well. So that that bodes well potentially. And then he's still got the asset on the bench without near if he does need to change it up and attack either. Uh, in in a five, or he can play more advanced in a four. If there's a change that way, I think he's got some he's got some options down the left, which is a relief with Breno being out. Starting to get the feeling that Aitnery probably won't be around next season. I don't know how he fits into Lopetegui's plans. I think another one that's becoming pretty obvious is our favorite Midgey, Daniel Podence. Um, left completely off the squad for quote unquote tactical reasons. Uh, what do you think's going on there, Paul? I mean, he's still a leading goal scorer too. I think the last player that was 
left out the squad for tactical reasons was our friend Guedes and look what happened <laughs> to him. So it's true. Um, I, I, I just get the impression that Lopetegui doesn't suffer any fools. And I, I really think that that's down to performances at, at every level, be it on the training pitch or in the game. I think he'll take everything as uh, the mantra, you practice how you play. And if he's not up to scratch on the training pitch, then it's going to limit his minute starting. And if it has deteriorated that much, then if he's got a call to make about what players are going to fit even on the bench to suit his squad and to suit the changes he's needing to make, then I think it, it does mean the writing's on the wall for him because typically you'd look at Podence as someone that you could turn to off the bench and think, oh, we've got a fair chance that he could be a game changer. Not really seeing it. So whether he's effectively um, done in that respect, possibly, um, I think it, it, it's a little of a shame because where would we be without his impact this season? Mm -hmm. But I, I've always felt that whilst there's a player in there, we, we've never seen a an out-and-out out undroppable starter week in, week out. He's always had his injury doubts. I I think there's probably better out there for his age if they could get if they could recoup a, a decent amount I think there's an upgrade out there somewhere yeah I think you know we always got frustrated with his back heel passes and stuff I, I kind of think that might have been what did it for Lopetegui is maybe not as physical which you know not really much potence can do about that and then being a little sloppy at times trying to be too cute with the ball i think that could have been what's playing into that decision um but it, it's kind of i i feel like now lopetegi really knows the squad a lot more is that what you're kind of feeling as well i think so i think he's got a a clear idea of not necessarily who his favourites are, but more his lieutenants that he's going to rely on. And I do think that's not only for his starters, it's those players that he knows and trusts that he can bring back, he can bring off the bench and make a difference as well as his his finishers in those types of games. So I, I do think he's got a, a distinct setup like that that he, he wishes to stick to. Adama had a lot of great things to say about Lopetegui after the game, vice versa. But then, you know, John Percy came out and said he's probably not going to re-sign, which I think we're coming to grips with. But do you think Wolves should make one last push, my hair excluded, to uh, <laughs> try and re-sign him? I think... I, again, with this one, I generally think the writing's on the wall and the replacement's already here with Chiquinho. Mm -hmm. In that Chiquinho, with his age and his profile, he's going to be fine to begin with, accepting that place on the bench to come on to, to, to make a difference later on in the game. Whereas I, I, I still don't see and Adama naturally fitting in a Lopetegui lineup still. So if that's what's on offer for him, he's not going to take it. And I don't think the Wolves are going to risk spending big books on wages in order to try and 
persuade him to to take that type of role when they know they've got someone younger at less that they spent less on both in in terms of transfer fee and wages on uh, in Chiquinho. So I, th- I think it is a farewell. I'm so sad. And again, like you see, just like team spirit and everyone going around him. And it's not like there's, he seems such a nice guy and everything. It just seems there's not a, there's just, it's not, it's not fully there for whatever reason. And I don't quite understand it, whether he wants, um, he's been too greedy, but it doesn't, it doesn't ever seem like that, but who knows what goes on. In, in a player's mind and with the agent and what they're pressing for. I just hope that, A, it doesn't come to bite us on the butt and he joins mm-hmm. another English team and, and, and is a threat because you, you just know he would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the flip side, I don't want him to go to a club in Turkey on big books and, and fizzle out and maybe get a moment in the Europa League where he looks at a world beater and in his career kind of fizzles out as one of those that will always be a what might it have been so um Adama would score 30 goals in the MLS (laughs) yeah that's a little stretch I don't know. Oh no, no, for yeah, no. In in terms of a league signing him or a a team, I think he's got slightly, slightly uh, higher ambitions. Well, maybe I could donate a kidney to get Adama in Houston. (laughs) If Wolves, Wolves aren't going to sign him, I think when it comes to him, you kind of have to go back to when the FIFA ratings were unveiled back in 2021 and the way that like ruddy and people were defending him when they were just kind of making comments like oh adama you're not doing a good job it it does seem like the team feels like he's more important than a lot of times the fans do because i feel like the fans are always definitely making a big deal about the end game the end product whereas i i feel like to the other players that's not as big of a deal I think there is an element of the uh, the sum of the parts and and that adage that they that they can look at a squad collectively and the importance of the players within it, even if they're not starting. And I think that combination with obviously he's never it it, it it's never like he's it doesn't appear that he's ever down tools or. Uh, thrown his toys out the pram in, in any respect. And I think that's showing at the moment that he's, he's a player that you can, you can rely on. So I think that's more the, the measure of the man than anything else. And and that's what his, his teammates find, find valuable also. Well, as we close up this little recap of last week, how huge was it to walk away with three points last week? I kind of didn't expect, I know I predicted a draw in one of the games. I really didn't expect any points last week. So to come away with three, like how big is that? I think collectively, if you factor in that that Fulham result as well, four points out of those threes is, is pretty solid. Yeah. So, and especially when it just seemed on Saturday that, that the whistle blew and then every other result had gone in our favor. Mm-hmm. 
So immediately afterwards, Arsenal winning in, in stoppage time. Then the next yeah. day, it was it was Forest and Everton drawing, mm-hmm. which was a phenomenal result. So not only was that important to get the the four points from those three games, but to have the other results turn in our favour like that is fantastic. It it really made the weekend, and it's getting to the stage now. If you can put a little run together, two more wins, you you practically home and dry then. And if we're in where are we now? 12th, 13th. Yeah, 13th. 13th. We're, we're probably looking two more places up the table. You'd say, you'd say Villa in 11th are safe. So that's what you, you're looking at next. And, and that's mm-hmm. not too far away as these, these games wind down. Yeah. The only thing that does worry me is of the bottom eight teams. Everybody has a game in hand over Wolves except for Everton. So th- I feel like that's a little bit concerning, especially when some of them are like nine and Forest, one point back, Leicester, you know, three points back, West Ham, four points back. Um, I really wish it would get up to even because because them having a game in hand, it just is a little worrying. There's that element to it. But there's also the fact that it's always better to have the points in the bag. Yeah. And you're going to get to the stage of the season where a lot of those teams have games in hand or will do because they're still involved in the FA Cup. So that factors into it. It's it's another game. It could go to a replay, I think. That, that factors into it. You've got that rearranged fixture, extra minutes, so... I, I think we got we're gonna be okay and it's better to be in the position that that, that we're in and, and be leading at the front, even if we have those games in hand, because nothing's guaranteed and, and fans often look at that thinking, Oh, we've got two two games in hand, we'll be okay. Yeah. And that could that could throw a complete wrench spanner in the works. So we did that last year. Joining us once again to help us preview Newcastle versus Wolves, which is on Sunday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Kick, kickoff. It is the Mob City Magpies in Baltimore, Mr. Alan Yanez. How's it going, Alan? Good, man. How's it, how's it going, gentlemen? It's going great. And uh, I always laugh because it seems like we've talked to you at your lowest low. And then now it's like just completely different here in a, a year and a half. It's nuts. Actually, just a year, right? Um, I think it's like, I don't know, if you want to nitpick, it's been like 15 months, 14 <laughs> months, something like that. But yes, probably a year, year and a half. Um, yeah, that you are correct, sir. That is that's that is not understated to I think your listeners who have listened to you for a while probably have seen me when I was like, I don't know, we have a team, there's eleven guys. Maybe we'll win and maybe we won't. <laughs> maybe we'll, we won't even show up. <laughs> and it is a very different vibe now. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy. I'll take it. 
how about you guys? How are you? How are you? Uh, how are you living with with the wolves right now? Well, we're living. <laughs> we're living. I don't think we're in as bad a shape as you guys were for a while last year. But um, yes. you know, it's interesting how one manager like you guys. I mean, you guys had an ownership takeover, but a couple changes, couple of additions, things turn around quick. So, but I think uh, you know. This feels like an inevitable one-one draw, like it always is for us, right? Probably. Um, I think. I mean, if we're if we're getting wax wax technical, uh, yeah, I think if we don't make changes, if Eddie doesn't make changes, I'm waving my finger at Eddie Howe, as though he's gonna he's gonna see this. Um, if he doesn't make changes, yeah, it's one-one draw all day. Um, we just don't look like we know how to score goals anymore. I don't know what happened. Um, everyone, every what are person, goals? What are goals? Yeah. We, yeah. we don't see them very often. So you guys, you guys know what that's like. Uh, we don't <laughs> shut up a lot of goals, which help, which helps. Um, you know, only lost three times. Our defense is still rock solid, so that helps. But we would like some goals. Um, we were in third, and now we're in like sixth. So it's it's tough. It's as tough at the top as it is at the bottom, gentlemen. Um, that's for damn sure. When it came to that League Cup final defeat, Alan, do you think there'll be any? Remnants of that in terms of a hangover, or is it? Uh, you look at that more of a platform that you'll build off that you can get to those big games, and that that's the types of fixes that you want to be competing in moving forward. I think that it's a little bit of both. I think maybe there was a little bit in the first half against City, um, obviously. Uh, and then we kind of got ourselves together and we got, and uh, we've, we had chances. We had two very good chances that we, we, we let go. Um, and we created a few more. So I, you know, we, that's the pres- presumable champions, unless Arsenal keeps pulling wins out of their ass. Um, so I'm okay with that. That's a performance that I'm, I'm, I'm happy with, but it was certainly a rough week and a half. It was the red card to Pope, leading into the final um, after already being on a little bit of a skid. Um, you know, we had we'd picked up draws and, you know, like three draws in a row on games. We definitely, there are a couple of them we should have won. Um, so it was, a, a, I think, a, a culmination. The League Cup final was a culmination. Even that defeat was a culmination of a bad run. Um, but I think with it behind us, the pressure's off a little bit. We know we're comfortable. And we also know, I think, that, the top four is not unrealistic. We start pulling in goals even a little bit more than we are now. We start climbing the table again because right around us, you know, I, Man United was on the brilliant run as we were on our bad run. I think they're, they clearly have just gotten checked and will level out <laughs> Tottenham's Tottenham. Liverpool's a little concerning to me. Um, not worried about Fulham, not worried about Brighton, not worried about Brentford. Um, all very good teams, but just not super concerned about them. Um, so I think we're okay to answer your question in a law in a very long winded version. Uh, I think the hangover is over and I hope, unfortunately, boys, if we do make some changes that that hangover, uh, breaks on you guys. <laughs> we don't like to hear that. We yeah, may not invite you back I, if that I'm happens. so sorry. Yeah, this used to be <laughs> we, we both were awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's make Newcastle shit again. It was much more fun. <laughs> yeah, right? That's fair. So what change I mean, you you've talked now a couple times about changes. So what are you kind of hoping the lineup looks like on Sunday? Um 
I hope he shakes it up a little bit. I think Callum Wilson has to come out. I think Isak has to come in. Um, and then I think you can play with we've got options, which is weird. Um, yeah, you've got the wing. Uh, so I say, you know, AS, uh, the midfield field is sounds healthy all again. I think Willick's back. Willick got some minutes against City. Um, so now you've got first, you know, our, our pick of the litter in the midfield. You've got Gordon and ASM on the right or on the left. Um, and now I think a, a healthy decision at the back with Target and Dan Byrne. So options. I would like to see, to answer your question, I would like to see probably Byrne come out of the left, Target go back in, and then our choice, uh, Eddie's dealer's choice, Eddie, uh, if you're listening, ASM or Gordon to start on the left um, and, and Isak in the middle and then kind of leave everything else the same. Um, Bruno Lynch pinning in the six and then pick, you know, whichever ones you want. Longstaff, Willick, Joe Linton to flank them. And I think that's a really solid team. Um, that's a team that's got goals in it um, and will go hunting for them. And uh, I'm sorry, boys. I think I think that team does you some damage. The other Callum Wilson version, one one. <laughs> well, I know which version I want to see then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, certainly sure. What are uh, what are areas that you think Wolves? That are you worried that Wolves could take advantage of with Newcastle? Um, we have been a little sloppy in the midfield. I don't know if that's a product of kind of the the. The, the changing uh changing out Bruno was hurt a little bit came out um Longstaff was in Willick got hurt came out Joe Linton slid back in uh we've been a little bit all over the place with our health issues and figuring that out now with our first team coming back I think we'll be a little better but that's I think something we still have to watch midfield was a problem but it's always a problem against De Bruyne and, and Gundogan so I don't really count that one um but I don't know. Is Neves, Neves healthy for you guys? He's beautiful. He's a beautiful man. Um, he is. I would love him. If you guys want to cough him up, that'd be fantastic. Uh, you want to cough <laughs> up 50 mil? Go for it. I think the guys will do it. I, that's, weird, <laughs> that's weird for me to say, but I think they might. Uh, so, yeah, that's a concern. I think that's my bigger concern because when we lose the midfield, it really affects the rest of the way we play. Um, so, yeah, if you guys can get stuck in and, and break that up, you certainly will give us trouble. All right, thanks to Alan Yanez for once again joining us. He's always one of my favorite opposition guys coming on. He's always a good time. Um, Paul, was there anything that Alan talked about that you kind of thought a little interesting? I think their their lack of goals, I think, is is interesting, coupled with ours, that it, it doesn't make for uh, that stellar watching potentially on, on Sunday. It's not like two free-flowing scoring team so that probably may suit us a little better that that we would I think take a point would they possibly not are they going to be more offensive to try and get the win at home that potentially opened something us to take advantage of I'm not sure so I think that factors into it and I think the the one area that really stood out for me was when he mentioned the midfield and I do think that that could be one that 
that that wins the game for either side. I think if we show up and we've got that ability to put three guys in the middle that can disrupt and, and cause some damage going forwards, then I think it could open up some opportunities for us. What are you thinking formation-wise? Because it's almost tempting to go back to that five in the back because it was so successful in the second half, but I, I don't feel like Lopetegui is the type to do that. I don't think it's the type as well based on the opposition. And I, I, I'm i not sure. I, I'm not sure whether he'll be going, he'll be looking at Newcastle in the same light that he did against Liverpool even though they're above them in the table, that Liverpool did seem too defensive and he was giving them too much respect. I think potentially on Sunday it could be a little more open and that may lead him to stick to his trusty formation. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of curious about that. So, I mean, Raul's definitely going to be in there. I guess the spots we got to look at is left back. Does he go back to Bueno, keep Johnny in there? I think Breno's out for too long. So you mentioned four to six weeks. Oh, okay. So that that's that's a scratch for definite. I think the only the, the factor around Johnny is are you gonna get a good performance out of him as you did on Saturday in a four if he does revert to the formation, or do, does he look at the five of the back and and know that he can rely on Johnny, even though he won't be amazingly offensively um, and sit similar for, for Samedo that they could be trusted defensively, but are you going to get a ton of, of output from them down out wide that he kind of looks for? So I think that factors into it as well. So do you see Neto maybe making an appearance in the starting lineup again? And if not, who do you see coming in in his place? I think it is going to be based on that formation and I can't see Neto being as trusted away from home as he, as he continues on this comeback. So I think that will impact, but again, I, I'll probably be more inclined to um, ease him back in gradually anyway. Um, it's going to be interesting now. I don't think we might be, getting close to seeing Wang back in contention at some point as well. But I do think with him, they've got to be ultra careful that it's, uh, it's not his, his, uh, his ham, hamstring acting up again or, or what have you, that that could be a risk again in the future. So I think he needs treatment with treat, kick gloves also. Man, we have just had so many like bad luck things. <laughs> I swear. Um, Nunez, this is kind of becoming a hot topic. Um, obviously, he's not really playing his most natural position in Lopetegui's system. Do you think at some point Lopetegui chooses to have him come off the bench? Or do you still think he's just going to try and find different roles in his system for him? I think more of the latter, that I think you've still got a a player in there that can can be trusted with the basics that he he wants i think and that is typically the more the case of being more comfortable on the ball and and having the ability to retain it 
but I just think it it limits his game somewhat if he is more out on the left. I don't think he's got that real strength through his game to to impact it in in a way that he could play more centrally if he's pushed further out. All righty, so let's look at the predictions here. Teddy in the guest spot got a big four points last week. He predicted the 2-1 Liverpool, so he was almost there. And then 1-0 Wolves. So the guest spot, Paul, is making a mockery of this competition right now. They are in the lead with 27. I'm following up with 22. Alex has 18, and you're at 17 in the in the relegation battle. Alex already gave me his prediction this week. He said a 1-1 draw. What say you? I think we should just go one one across the board, but <laughs> yeah, just scratch this week. But uh, I I will go with a little of what Alan was saying about them struggling for goals. It'll be a result that I'll be happy with because we'll get a clean sheet, and I'll say it'll be nil nil. Nil nil. I could see that as well. I'm gonna say one one. I think Raul does it this time. I got a feeling. I think he's due. Him or Cunha, one of the two of them, I think, is going to come up with, you know, a second half goal. All right, Paul. People had fun with no stupid questions this week. Lots and lots of no stupid questions have come <laughs> through the whole lot of Wolves mailbag. I'm definitely the- getting the feeling like this is everybody's favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> definitely more insightful than some of our bad takes about the game, so... I can I can agree. So uh no stupid questions, everyone. That time during the show, you get in touch either on our Twitter, which is at WLWpod, our Facebook page. You can send us an email to hello at wholelotofwolves.com and you can ask us anything about this wonderful club that we support, be it the team, history, match day experience, something with a vague totally unrelated to it you name it you can get in touch and ask so got a few of those this week we got some tv stroke movie themes as well so we'll kick off with the first one michelle at shield beams which walls play would you want to be in a zombie apocalypse with mario lamina 100%. After seeing the way he he put Harry Kane in his pocket, I feel like he would be the best bodyguard to go with. Yeah, I think it, it, he'll cover a lot of ground and kill a, kill a lot of zombies to uh, to protect you. I do um, worry in the zombie apocalypse, like, yeah, uh, natural, you'd kind of think, well, Adama, but then again, if it goes to running, you're screwed. He definitely going to outrun you. <laughs> Yeah, it's the case that you, you don't have to be the fastest, just not the slowest. And <laughs> you'd definitely the be the slowest with him. So <laughs> that factors into it. I think uh, I'm going to go through, uh, go with Craig Dawson. Oh, I think interesting. Just defend, defend you to, to the hilt. I think he'd put up barricades, he'd do slide tackles on zombies, he'd run up and headbutt <laughs> them, pretending they're a ball. I don't think anything's getting past Craig Dawson, so I'm going to stand behind him. All right. 
Okay, let's get into some Star Wars. Firstly, thanks to Brian Donnelly. He's just found out that Mark Hamill is a Wolves fan, and that is a definite assist from the Wolves fan cast. There's a good story behind that. And it's got Brian thinking. He said, who would be uh, who would be in a Wolves-casted Star Wars film first? Yeah, and Steve Young had a very similar question too. He said, which new Star Wars TV series is your favorite and which actor would play a Wolves player in a dramatic series? So very similar. Uh, Paul, you watch Star Wars? You don't seem like nah. a Star Wars type of guy. No, nah, I'm, I'm out on the Star Wars. Oh, I love Star Wars. I love Star Wars. As I said last Wednesday, which is kind of what prompted some of this was Happy Mandalorian Season 3 premiere day. Um so Steve Young had the great Diego Luna, who plays Andor. He played him in Rogue One, Paul, which was a great movie. He was also in the new Andor series. He said as Raul Jimenez, I liked that a lot. Um, I said Potence as Yoda. I think that fits right in. I think that fits right in. Um, let's see, who would, you know, Wolves casted Star Wars film? So... I guess this would be going the other way. Wolves players playing in a Star Wars film. So uh, probably Diego Costa as Chewbacca. Are you familiar with any of these characters, Paul? Yeah, the 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 big guns. Yeah, not the the niche and the weird ones from the spin-offs and stuff, but everyone knows Chewbacca. I, I could see um uh Neto as luke skywalker you know kind of the punk kid but he's got all that potential um retina is obi-wan kenobi oh a hundred percent yeah hundred percent yeah i would say um saw would be darth vader i think it'd be like one of those is he a good guy is he a bad guy we can't really tell um lopetegi a hundred percent the emperor now (laughs) yeah like he uh for good or for bad let's see i'm trying to think who else here han solo hmm han solo that's got to be nevis right han solo yeah i think you got that that cool element to him but a bit of a risk take at the same time yeah i could i could see nevis taking that one Mm-hmm. And to answer Steve's question about which Star Wars TV series is my favorite, it still is The Mandalorian. Um, even though Andor was really good, had a different feel to it. For those that like Star Wars, that's more of kind of showing the birth of the rebellion, but still like still gotta go with um, you know, that. Although there was a TV movie which beats them all, and that is Ewok's Battle for Endor which is still one of my top 10 movies of all time. Look it up, folks. It's great. Extension on the Star Wars theme that Brian mentioned. He says, how would the fans take to a Star Wars theme night down the Molyneux? Is that a thing over there? That's um, a great question, is it? Yeah. Do theme nights happen? No, not really in, in the Premier League. Um, like you, you typically think with the, the minor league ballpark down the street and there's a different thing every night. Um, maybe you get a little bit of it in the lower leagues, maybe in the, the non-leagues, but not really not really in the, the Premier League if, if, if I ever come across it or seen one publicised. So I, I don't think they've, they've got the need to in terms of 
having that <laughs> theme to to drum up support or to uh to to try and um get a better atmosphere or anything like that because you can't you tell imagine... me that you can't tell me that a Tuesday game at home against Bournemouth doesn't need a little pick me up sometimes, Paul. Possibly, but <laughs> the 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 worst thing about that is you could just imagine every traditional fan just going, "Oh, what the fuck!" and just like <laughs> not bothering, not paying <laughs> an, an ounce of giving it an ounce of interest. So it would just it would die on the vine, literally. So it, I think it would just be a complete waste of time. I personally love theme night star wars night i have a great jordan alvarez mandalorian bobblehead that i got uh vinda game of thrones night that was fun uh yeah you mostly see it in baseball a lot just to kind of break up a little bit of the monotony of you know games in july and stuff sometimes the mls games will have little themes sometimes it's just fireworks or giveaways i'm all about the theme nights though i would love to see some kind of theme night, but yeah, I, I know that would be another one that everybody would be like, you goddamn Americans. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next we've got Stu of uh, walls fan cast fame. Yeah. And, and he sent us a no stupid question attached a picture as well that we'll share. He said, I finally visited this fine establishment, which is the crooked house in Gornal. This week, despite it being 35 minutes away from where I live, the first time I've been there in my whole life, is there, he asks, a local monument or tourist attraction that you've just never visited despite it being on your doorstep? Okay, number one, I I, I have some questions about the Crooked House here. Like, have you been there, Paul? Is it a oh, bar? Yeah. Is... Okay. yeah, it's a pub. So, um... And it's it's it looks crooked, right? Yeah, it's is very it crooked. literally crooked on the inside? Yep. Yeah. Uh, your shelves are crooked. Doorways are crooked. Windowsills are crooked. That there's a lot of crooked going on at the crooked house. So the other thing that really caught my eye here, and we're gonna, like you said, we're gonna share this photo, is it's Banks's ales, which I thought it was funny because it's Banks apostrophe s ales, which in, you know the american part of the english language that's a big no-no paul that is it put, should be no extra s yeah. yeah i think i think in the english english language the one that we actually invented and shared lovingly across the world it's allowed in that it's someone's name hmm. so, so if if people are going over to wolverhampton for a game do they need to go to the crooked house it, it's it's a sight to look at for sure and a, a spectacle to go in there um it's a little out the ways from Wolverhampton itself i'd imagine if Stu's 35 uh minutes away he's probably on the the opposite side of Wolverhampton in order to get over to to Gornal and Dudley where this is this is pretty close to where my parents live actually all right, so back to Stu's original question the local monument or tourist attraction we've never visited uh, Paul, I have never been to Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion in the Woodlands for a concert Same. before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Same. And that's that's um, a big deal out here because they have a lot of outdoor concerts. The problem is I hate heat. I don't like sitting in heat, which is 
kind of humorous since I live in Houston and it's hot all the time, but whatever. Um, so I haven't seen a concert there. Is that the have you? Is there another landmark you haven't been to, Paul? I, I don't think so. In terms of like crazy Houston landmarks, I think I haven't done the. Um, oh, what's the? Uh, is it the San Jacinto Monument? Mm-hmm. I've not done that. Um, I've not done the uh, wherever the bats come flying out of. I'm oh yeah, parks. yeah. I'd like to do this. Is more like Paul's bucket list of Houston. <laughs> and I've I've not done the tunnels even underneath in downtown. So yeah, yeah the tunnels like connect to. It's almost like a shopping mall, food yeah. court ish down there. So it's kind so of whether whether they're really like think like bucket list items. I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, but, um, Houston. As much as there is to do or do here, there's not a lot of touristy stuff to do. Yeah, you're right. I've not um, and similarly, I've not done anything at the Miller Outdoor Theater. Um, oh, Miller Outdoor Theater is fun. I've done yeah. several things there, and I really want to go and see. Yeah, uh, I always say oh, I'll go next year, but I do want to go and see the uh, the golf when it comes to Memorial Park. Mm. yeah but yeah the yeah like yeah you're right houston's not that one where you've got a, a, a ton of like it's not like if you lived in san antonio and never went to the alamo oh, we haven't really yeah. got that so and I, I have done that so yeah now paul okay. have you been to the the houston museum of natural science both of them yeah so yeah here's one for the uh for the listeners from the west midlands the Sugarland Museum of Natural Science actually has a fossil all the way from Dudley, West Midlands, on display. Which one's so that one? Uh, one of the trilobites. Okay, cool. So, yeah, and uh, the the Houston Museum of Natural Science has three T Rexes. One of them is the actual. The other two are casts. It's a paleontology hall, three football fields long. As a dinosaur nerd, my kid's a dinosaur nerd. We usually go there once a year. Ton of fun. We love it. Okay, last but not least, Todd DeWitt. Which Wolves player is the fussiest eater? And why is it Podence? <laughs> He's just getting shit thrown at him, isn't he, from the manager from the podcast? <laughs> I mean, it's true, though, right? The only person I could think that I could see being a little bit of a picky eater like Potence. For some reason, Max Kilman gives me that vibes. The one who gives me those vibes is Ait Nuri. I just think all he eats is chips and ketchup <laughs> and doesn't do anything else. <laughs> chips like, no, chips and ketchup, that's it. <laughs> and he could, he, like the type of guy that could eat crap and never put on any type of weight. Just looks like 100 pounds ringing wet regardless of what he eats but yeah, yeah uh, Kil- Kilman seems like the guy that somebody would throw down a big plate and he'd be like um do you have this in vegan <laughs> I don't know I don't know what it is I just get that feeling but yeah potents would definitely be like is this grass fed <laughs> so that brings uh the no stupid questions to an end for this week remember 
you can tweet us at WLWpod with those or email hello at wolves.com. And that brings the show for this week to an end also. We're going to be back this time next week. It will be a review of the Newcastle game. And then we will be previewing the, uh, the, the USA men's national team at home, otherwise known as Leeds United. So when they <laughs> come to town. So uh, in the meantime, if you're listening on the platform, podcast platform that you're on right now, please do us a huge favor. You can like the podcast. You can review it for uh, for us, write a few lines along there. That always helps with getting the word out there and helping to publicize the podcast. And those reviews go a long way in order to help. So with all of that, everybody, let's get three points on Sunday and up the mighty wolves. Whole Lot of Wolves is self-funded, so if you're interested in sponsorship opportunities as a way to reach a niche audience, email hello at wholeoutofwolves.com for our sponsor packages. Just want to make a contribution as a listener who enjoys the show? Then head to buymeacoffee.com slash wlwpod. That's buymeacoffee.com slash wlwpod. We greatly appreciate any contribution. Up the Wolves.